Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we are going back in the metaphysical, back in the spiritual, with an introspective interview with psychic medium, Miss Joyce Keller. Miss Keller is filled with compassion and filled with wisdom. I've known her for quite a long period of time, and I think she offers a lot of great insight, not only about how to progress in this lifetime, but how to progress after you're out of your body and in a spiritual form. Miss Keller is very sweet, with a great sense of humor. Let us begin tonight's show. Our guest today on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio show is Miss Joyce Keller. She's an American television and radio host, author, and psychic medium. I've known Miss Keller for a very long time. Right now, I don't have as much hair as I once did, but when I knew Miss <laughs> Keller, I had an afro. I knew Miss Keller in the days before people looked at me sadly and said, what happened to your hair? That's how long I've known Miss Keller. Well, Miss <laughs> Keller, it's a great honor to have you on our show today, and you're author of a great new book called Why Am I Here? A Concise Guide to Your Purpose and Potential. Miss Keller, welcome to the program. Hey, Ryan, what happened to your hair? <laughs> I don't know. Marriage, elections, you know, pizza, something, I don't know, GMOs. Oh, wow. No more Everything. Afro. What ha- no what more ha- Afro. I got the spot. I got the oh. I got the I got the the helicopter thing on the top of my head, but uh, Miss, Miss Kelly, great honor. I've known you for a very long time. I'm very intrigued, very uh, very perceptive. So, can you tell us a little bit about your new book? Why am I here? You know, everyone wanders, and they wander around saying, "Why the heck am I here?" <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's the most basic question, and we go from <laughs> birth to death. Nobody ever tells us, and we wander around saying, "God, why am I here?" You know, we take one foot and put it in front of the other, and that's how we get through life. Somewhere along the line, somebody should give us a hint, right, Brian? I mean, like a little hint. So I wrote this book. I woke up one day, and I had this brilliant idea a few years ago saying, write the book. Why am I here? And I said, fine, okay, because this is what I do on, on radio and TV shows. People call in, and they say, why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? So I usually, to be as accurate and precise as possible, I usually use their birth date, and I use a book that astrologers use called the Ephemeris. And in the Ephemeris, it gives the place of all the planets at the time of your birth, and it also gives the North Node, which is like all the way to the right for those folks who are wondering where it shows. Like you look it up according to your birth date. No, Ryan, I think you're born in October. Uh, no, uh, January. January what? January 31st. January 31st, Okay. So you would go to January 31st, and the year, which I'm not asking you, but you would go to that particular date, and you see where all the planets are, and all the way to the right is a place called the North Node, and that's what tells you the purpose of your birth. But it takes about 30 or 40 years to figure out how to interpret this, because it's all numbers. So that's basically what the book is. I have charts in there that make it very easy to understand. And all you have to do is know your birthday, and you look it up, and it tells you who your soulmate is, what your last lifetime was, what the purpose of this lifetime is, what you should do for a living, and I don't know what else people want, all those things, like uh, where's the money? <laughs> people yep. want to know about love and money. You know? <laughs> More than anything. Where's the love? Where's the money? Come on, where's my soulmate? So uh, that's really what the book is, and that's what I do I'm, particularly on my radio shows when people call in with the um, question that they have. And it's usually always it's pretty much the same. I think human beings are pretty much all the same. We, we're we all pretty much wondering the same questions. So that's a long answer to a short question, Ryan. Why sure. am I here? Well, I'm going to elaborate on that a little bit more, but I forgot to plug your website at the beginning. And to learn more about Ms. Keller, please go to her website at JoyceKeller.com. Some of the reasons why people are here, I mean, you mentioned at the very beginning of the book, people think it's karma. It's a subtle karmic relationship. But we're this, these infinite beings. We have infinite existences. Wouldn't all that karma have been worked out maybe in the first couple hundred lifetimes? Why, <laughs> yes. I mean, why is there always why is there always karma that needs to be fulfilled and relationships that need to be you know repaired? It seems like an ongoing, endless cycle. Do we ever get to a point where all debts are settled, everything's peaceful, and then you move on, or are you trapped in a physical reality or the earth plane until all everything is completely done perfectly? 
What a good question. That's the most important, most basic question. I believe St. Germain, whom more and more people are becoming familiar with St. Germain, but he said you have to make approximately 2 million correct decisions, and you can't do one single thing that's not right. You take away somebody's uh, chewing gum, or that's a wrong decision. You, you can't do that. Jeez. Or you lick their ice cream cone, and then that look a bad decision. These are all not good decisions. So you have to make approximately 2 million correct decisions. And, you know, when we were kids, most of our mothers told us that God had a great big notebook and a great big pen, and he was watching. And, you know, there's nothing that goes unseen. And that's basically true. The lords of karma, or call them whatever you wish, uh, destiny, uh, angels, it doesn't matter what you call them. They really are observing. And when you're in an earth body, it's like being on a stage. And Shakespeare was right. Life is really a stage. And our actions do count. So, that's so you have to make two, two million correct decisions before you, you're stuck. I mean, some people would say, I can't even make two Correct decisions consecutively. Two million. <laughs> I think St. Germain was very tough on us, but it's probably basically true. I think the basic point, Ryan, is that you can't do anything that's wrong. Let's say if your heart is in the right place, as yours is, Ryan, and your consciousness is in a good place, and you have such a good heart and such good intentions and good purpose, and you're always so good to me and to everybody you know, I mean... I, th- I think that's good enough. You can get off the Gordian knot of karma. You know, the um, the Gordian knot of karma is very complicated because it just keeps you, as you just said, going and going and going. You never can get off like a little mouse on a treadmill. And I, I agree with that. But sooner or later, you come to the point, like a lot of great people have, where you're pretty much done. And God says, all right, it wasn't two million exactly. But you, you did well enough. Okay, that's good enough. And you finished. You don't have to come back to the earth anymore. Because the earth is basically a very rough school, as you know. So <laughs> it's a pretty scary rough school. So at a certain point, you don't have to go back to school anymore. You just have to do most things right. You can't steal. Like the basic uh, Ten Commandments, you don't insult anybody. You don't curse at your parents, you know, that kind of thing. Well, what if you... Your purpose in this lifetime is to say, you know what? I lived all of my other life existences as a good little two-shoes. And this line, for my evolution, I'm going to come back as a badass and I'm going to steal. So what if you come, <laughs> yeah, what if you come and your purpose is to steal and instead of stealing, you want to join a monastery? I mean, in one way, are you are you denying your higher self the experience that it came here to do? And are you in some way, shape, or form actually holding your evolution back by not stealing, by denying what your higher self came here to purposely focus on? So you're asking the question, if I understand this correctly. Mm-hmm. If you choose to come back as a badass, is that the question? Yep. Does come, it upset? <laughs> yeah. Do you do you actually uh, do you throw your your evolution in balance? Because you know you came here to be a badass, and then you were good. And same thing is like you know if you came here to be good, and next thing you know you know you're a serial killer. I mean, can, theoretically speaking, do you throw your evolution out of balance by going the exact opposite for what you came here to do? I think you incur new karma. Okay. I mean, I could be totally wrong about that, but I, I really do think that you do set yourself back a bit. You go around killing people. I mean, it has to be bad. I mean, there's just no uh, justification for that. And I think it, it would set us back. I mean, you have. I mean, sometimes you just want to go out and, and kill somebody. Like, I don't have that feeling, but I'm sure a lot of people have. That <laughs> <laughs> has to be a very bad thing. <laughs> so, again, I mean, going against. Um, the goal, any of the golden rules. You, you live by the golden rule, you're pretty golden. You know, it's like just behave yourself. So, so if I, you I, just if you bring peace to people, you're you're kind of you're cool so far. <laughs> yeah, you bring peace and you bring love, you bring harmony, and you make the world a better place. You know, as Mother Teresa and as many of the great teachers on the earth have told us, make the world a better place, not worse. You make it worse, that's a little kind of uh, bad karma. And that's that's really what my book is about. Why am I here? It tells the purpose of life for each of us individually. I think this is the only book that has probably ever, ever been written where you can look it up with your little index finger. You can say, oh, look, I was born January 31st and the year, and you put it in, you find all kinds of things out about yourself. So uh, the book is already, thanks to you, Ryan, and coast to coast and good shells yeah. like that uh, has already gone into its second printing in a very short time. So we it's well done. 
And I just okay. want to give everyone a heads up. And it's not just because I, you know, I know you and I love you, but the book is packed with a ton of information. And I just want to go um, to some of the chapters. Chapter 3, talking about your inner soul. What is your soul? Is it, um, is it something separate from the source, source known as God, if you want to call it that? What is your soul? And does your soul, how does your soul grow and evolve throughout its various, li- various lifetimes? Well, how can anyone answer that question? I don't know. Maybe, that's why I left it to you. I saved that question. We're, we're, we're over 100 shows. I'm like, I'll say that for Joyce. That's such a hard question. Okay. The source is our creator, I believe, and it, it, it intermingles. We co-mingle as we, we uh, evolve through soul development. Um, you know, I'd have to say Edgar Cayce had the basic answers to that very, very tough, rough question. And he said that the souls were all created at one time, came from source, goes back to source. Uh, I, I think that's the only way you can possibly answer that. I mean, there. when we were created, again, according to, to Edgar Casey, and my book was pay, published by the Edgar Casey Foundation, uh, you know, if you play it straight, you probably don't incur too much karma, but we all do. And right away, you have Adam and Eve eating the, the the apple, and they weren't supposed to. You know, it's like right away we got into trouble, and we became more and more mired in the physical. So I don't know if that adequately answers your question, but I think it's the biting of the apple and the snake and the whole thing, which is so, of course, symbolic. But it, it says, don't hurt anybody. Love one another. That's the basic message. Love one another. Don't hurt anybody. Okay, like you, you get very angry at people like Hitler, who you know it's more than justified because we did, he did what was un, unthinkable, and there are so many people like that. So it's very hard not to love them, but they they really we all are like fingers on a hand. We're all connected, and sometimes the fingers go bad. That's the only way I can describe that, but it's and then we all go back to source. It's an impossible question with an impossible answer, and even Edgar Casey didn't have a great answer. But I know that that you're a terrific metaphysician, Ryan, and I'd have to ask you: Do you have anything to add to that, or do you have any feelings? You about actually, that? I well, you brought up something about uh, Adam and Eve, and something that just kind of pops in there is, I think that I don't know. I feel like Adam and Eve is a uh, is a trap. It's a um, it's a it's a trick right. because what this thing is that they, they God says you know don't eat the apple because it it has wisdom so what they do is that they eat the apple to gain the wisdom and they're punished for it I'm like what no that's that's crap you know you should be, <laughs> if you if you seek out the wisdom you should bear the the great joy of having the wisdom and the idea that you're being punished for seeking out the wisdom I almost feel that there is a big trap and trigger to keep people subservient and to be locked into uh, the moral authority of any particular religion. So I, I can't stand that story, actually. Okay, so you think that the uh, munching on the apple was strictly a trap? I don't get it. I just think that there's something wrong about it. I feel like that there are a lot of traps in various uh, – any kind of group think. I was intrigued that there's some kind of trap in there that's meant to keep you locked in unless you can grow out of it or question it. So I don't well, know. Just, that's so brilliant because I think it's true. And the um, the teachers who created us, the there there are many different variations on who actually created us or how we came into being. But I believe that that's true. And there are so many traps along the way. And maybe the munching on the apple was nothing more than a trap. But you know what? If we hadn't done that and descended into physicality where we started having sex and producing and reproducing, what would have happened? What what would be going on on the earth at this time? What do you think it would be? Pretty boring. It would be very boring. But is this acceptable? The way you have, uh, you know, so much evil on the earth. You know, I, I just wanted to ask you, before you answer that, that question, you think about the the light and the darkness on the planet, and the the yin and the yang energies, the day and the night. Everything is uh, balanced and in harmony. Now you have to ask yourself, well, what is that evil thing? I mean, is that a necessary part of the earth because the way you have light and dark and negative and positive energy? Do you think that that's an important part of what we have on the earth, Ryan, or not? I, I don't know. I don't. I, you know, the, I look at the world and say, okay, well, there's darkness in the world. I just don't want to be part of it. 
I, I, I don't care for it. You know, yeah, but talk. you can't have just light. How can you have light all the time? Why not? Why not? I because you know why why should you be able to do anything? Why shouldn't you be able to to wake up in the morning and have the life that you want and have it be peaceful and not have to worry about that kind of crap? I mean, if it, it just we happen to exist in an area where it's a factor in it, I just I don't know. I, I don't. I'd like to believe that we have the capability of not experiencing dark, not experiencing the pain and suffering. Well, look at how the Earth turns, and as it turns, it goes from light to dark. And I think on this particular earth plane, I think there are many, many planes, many dimensions in many different places. But when you incarnate here, perhaps you're supposed to have that experience of light and dark. It can't just be light all the time. It would be really out of balance. I mean, especially if the earth is turning. And this is a planet that turns. I don't know if they all do. I mean, do you realize or think that that may be a uh, factor here? That uh, you... I'm not sure. I'm I'm, I'm a gentleman. That I just want to let it, that people who are listening know. I, I, I ask, I ask a lot of questions. I'm just curious about this. I don't have, I don't think the gift of the sight or the, or the hearing. I feel things. Yeah, I have, you know, I always have the gut feelings. But usually, my gut feelings are, are saying, "Go to the refrigerator, get another donut." That's the gut feeling. <laughs> I can't be right. <laughs> I don't. How can I be right? Gut feelings about you know something great <laughs> going to happen. Um, Joyce, you've got. Incredible ability! You've got an ability to to see people and talk to people who've, who've passed. What, what are some of the common messages that uh, you get when you communicate with people who've crossed over? Oh, the messages are very simple, and people say, "Well, you know what? It's so comforting and so healing to hear that." But basically, all it is is, "I miss you, I love you, and I'm so so sorry." Like after my husband passed away uh, almost two years ago, every time for the first year, every time. He came through. He was always so sad and so upset because, you know, he was so sorry that you know he went so quickly. And that, that mostly the messages that come through are ones of apology. You know, it's like uh, they're sorry they left us with such a mess, or they're sorry they left us with bills, as in my case, or uh, you know that there wasn't time to say goodbye and all of that. There's always so much regret more than anything else, and then comes uh, joy after that. They usually are going to say that they're in a very joyful, happy place. I've never heard anyone say, I'm in a really dark, terrible place. I don't think they dwell in hell uh, at all, or very much at all. Like if they expect it, God will say, all right, you know, you can have 10 minutes of hell, but that's it, because, you know, it's really not necessary. But God loves us, and I don't think you need to have that burning thing at all. I mean, all these things you see on the web and you see around everybody screaming and yelling in hell, I don't really think that's true. It's kind of, um, I can't say it's man-made, but I don't think that a loving creator would do that. I have no, I have no proof that that really exists. I don't really think it's true. I think that after you cross over, it's such a relief, and it's so much better than being here on the earth, which is so challenging. And you have to be so careful about everything, not falling in a hole, not tripping on a crack and breaking your head. You know, it's like there are a lot of challenges here. And once you cross over, you don't have any of that. You have a lot of serenity, and that's where the joy really and truly exists. It's after we cross over. If you come here and you have a crazy life and you go through pain, you go through suffering, and supposedly it's for your evolution, why would you ever in your right mind want to come back? Is your higher self, um, I don't know, not thinking clearly? Is there something wrong there? Because I, I can't imagine why um, a being would want to put itself through this and uh, I'm going to take it a step further if you come from the source and you come from an all-knowing you know, existence you've already experienced everything there is to know why would you even fathom coming back to experience something painful painful why would you not want to reincarnate repeatedly into a life when you are a rock star and you know you you have 24-hour uh, you know comfort why would you even fathom coming back for pain and suffering well, I have to ask you, the, I'll answer that with a question for you. Why do we go to school? You're so happy during the summer. It's so great. Look, we're wading, we're swimming, we're hanging on trees. We're having a wonderful time. And then September comes along, and guess what? We have to go to school. And we say, oh, why? And that's really the answer to your question. Why do we have to go to school? I'm so happy in the summer. <laughs> it's like yeah. you're ending my happiness now. 
But you say, because if you don't go to school, you're going to be an idiot, and you're not going to have universal uh, information. You're not going to have as much wisdom as you really need. Your soul will not develop adequately. You really need that experience. You can't just be happy and in a cosmic place of joy like summertime all the time. Now, I could. I'm, you could. I don't need it. I don't need. I don't need rainy days. I don't. I don't need rain. I don't need dark. I don't need cold. I don't need snow. I just need it to be hot and sunny on the Caribbean. And I hope some some people out there are resonating with that. <laughs> I'm certainly one. But you know what? Our Creator doesn't agree. And the uh, Earth serves a definite purpose. Look at the learning that you have here. Look at how much you've learned in the the time that you've been on the Earth so far. In the 30, 40 years you've incarnated <laughs> as, a, as a human being and as a male. Look what you've – haven't you learned a lot? Jeez. I've learned, I've learned to apologize. Good, when good. I, when I do wrong, yeah, especially that's what marriage is. I think, I think that's what marriage is about. It's like you get married and like you learn how to apologize. But have Okay, you've learned to apologize. Haven't you also learned to love on a physical basis? Haven't you also learned – pardon me for saying it – how wonderful uh, – physical sex is, how wonderful it is to love an animal. All of that. That's all Earth yeah, uh, information. But I just don't know. Like, I, I, I'm surprised that I wouldn't be able to solve this in a previous lifetime. I'm surprised most of us wouldn't be able to solve this in a previous lifetime. And, and, and Joyce, you're in a physical body. Um, you know, I think, aren't you limited to the amount of knowledge you can attain? If you're a soul, you're infinite, and you're in that physical form, you can probably attain as much information as possible, travel anywhere you need to go. You don't have to worry about any kind of physical restraints. So, so I'm mean, you know, saying, well, you, you come here to learn. You come here in a physical body. But it's like, you know, couldn't you learn so much more being out of the physical body? Yes, definitely, except for the fact there are certain things you can only learn and experience in a physical body. And you know what those things are. But right. what if, can, can you have the ability of jumping into a soul? Couldn't you have the the chance to say, for example, you know, somebody's having a physical experience and you jump into them? I, my understanding, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but ghosts tend to go around people that are engaging in habits that the ghost had when they were alive. Uh, I'll give an example. Somebody smoking a cigarette or somebody drinking alcohol. Doesn't that ghost want to be near that person so they can come as close as they can to having that physical sensation? Yes, but that's, of course, you're 100% right. But it's just vicarious. It's not the actual hands-on experience. So at a certain point, angels or guides or God will say to you, well, wouldn't you really like to have this physical experience and not just do it you know, like, um, did you ever see a surgeon operate from another room or it's like that? It's not hands-on at all. It's not quite the same. It, it, there's a separation. And uh, our creator would say to us, wouldn't you really like to have this experience? Wouldn't you really like to have some real sex rather than just hanging around a body that's having sex or eating a, a hot dog? Yeah. Wouldn't you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so the person will probably say, yeah, I really would like a burger. There are no burgers in heaven. Okay. There's also no sex in heaven, as I understand it. And for those of us who appreciate physical expression and physical experience, you might say, yeah, okay, I'll take 80 years of that, or I'll take 70 years of that, or whatever you can give me. It'll be a nice, because I'm really tired of being a ghost. I'm tired of doing it vicariously. So, you know, Ryan, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's my understanding, and that's the way I see it, and that's the way I feel it. So if you don't agree, you have to tell me. No, it's just information. I mean, here's the thing. I... I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 even the things that I think I know or I feel I know, I probably don't know. And I, I think that's probably a integral part of the, the growth or the learning is that to keep on asking questions. Uh, Ms. Ms. Joyce Keller, I would love to come to Chapter 5 of your book, The Power of Angels. There are some individuals who I speak with who say the angels all around us, they're very powerful, they're very influential. And I talk to some other uh, metaphysical teachers who say the angels, they're nothing. They're just, you know, flakes in the wind. They really don't have any influence over us. What is your perspective about the angels? Are the angels a group of higher frequency beings that will always be higher than humanity or higher than your soul evolution? Okay, in the Bible, it tells us that you don't pray to angels ever. And they're... I can't say they're higher. They probably are higher, but let's say they're different. They don't have physical expression. And I also don't believe that if a person dies, you become an angel. Like so many people say, oh, my baby died, became an angel. My mother died, became an angel. Okay, I don't want to upset anyone, but from my viewpoint, I don't think that happens. Once you're an angel, you're an angel. 
or if you're a human being and you don't have that uh, interaction, you don't have the exchange, you can become angelic. My mother was angelic. She died. She was. She continued to be angelic, but she didn't become an angel. And I can remember I was on a TV show. I think it was Phil Donahue's show a number of years ago with a very almost as well-known psychic as I was. <laughs> Actually, more more popular than I was. But he he very uh, unequivocally said, "Oh, your mother died and became an angel." Well, you know what? I I almost tried to physically attack him on camera. And uh, Phil Donahue said, no, no, don't argue. <laughs> but that was so incredibly, I feel it's wrong to say, because the, the dominions are separate, the worlds are separate, and you don't go from one to the other. And he should have known that. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing that really upsets me. But it shouldn't, but it does, because I'm human. And, again, that's a human experience. So I don't know if that answers your question, Ryan, but the... Well, to some of the angels, I mean, do they... What is their general purpose in, in our evolution, at least for this time? And do they as, do they have more influence in our evolution here and other dimensions? Are we actually working with them, seeing them in the uh, in a visual form? Okay, the question is: Are we actually seeing angels in a physical form? You, the in other dimensions, are we? I mean, is, uh, what I'm wondering: What role do angels have in our evolution at, in the physical form? Like, so, so we have if we have number of evolutions, we're in the physical body right now in the Earth. What role do angels have here? Oh, and then that answer, Then okay. Then what role do angels have in other other evolutions? Do they become more relevant? Do they become buddies? Do does everyone who's growing have an angel that gets assigned to them, and they visually see them, and then they continue this evolution together? So I'm for you know. So okay, we we could not possibly exist without angels, yeah. and you usually don't know unless you're dying or you're in a crisis situation. And they, uh, yes, you have one guardian angel that goes with you from lifetime to lifetime. That never changes, and you're never, ever alone. Even if you're doing something boring like reading or sleeping, they, they never leave your side. Um, I'll tell you something very funny and very, uh, very amazing, uh, which kind of gives you an idea of how they work. They can do very simple, mundane, boring things, or they can you know, pull you out of a, a fire or something really terrible because they're working with your destiny. And I know that opens the question to uh, why do accidents occur, because they're supposed to, and I also don't believe they're accidents. But going back to what I wanted to share with you, I had a very important appointment one morning, and I had set my alarm clock to make sure I did not miss this appointment. I think it was a dental appointment for root canal or something, but I didn't want to miss the appointment. Well... My battery ran down, the alarm clock didn't go off, but what did go off, now this will give you an idea of, of how long I've been around, I had an exercise uh, machine, like a, an exercise belt for fat rear ends, so that went off instead, <laughs> and it was so loud, it was at the foot of my bed, and even though the clock didn't go off, the, the uh, exercise belt went off instead and woke me up. <laughs> So they said, you know, get up, get up now, even though your clock is not going on. So angels do very simple, mundane things like that for us, or they can do major things where they're supposed to warn you about accidents. Like in my Calling All Angels book, I tell about an incident where they came to me very clearly and they said, do not go out for 24 hours. Do not leave your house for 24 hours. And I said, sure, that's not a problem. And I can I can stay in for 24 hours. And they showed me this horrendous scene of blood and uh, pain and screaming and just really terrible. They said, look, you want to avoid this? This is all in a dream. They said, uh, just don't go out. So I woke up and I was so upset and I, you know, I told my husband and he said, look, you're really fine. There's nothing, nothing's going on. You're really fine. I said, well, I'm not going anywhere tomorrow. And it was Sunday. I think it was August 17th. It was a lovely day, beautiful day in New York. And, um, uh, my brother came by with his family, and I had my family. He said, come on, let's all go to the beach. And I said, thank you, but go without me. I'm not going. And he said, no, no, come on, it'll be great. Well, my brother always had his way, and he uh, just about carried me to the car and threw me in. We were all having fun, and yet I had this foreboding, horrible feeling that something terrible was going to happen because I had been warned very clearly about mm -hmm. it. And I was going against the warning, which is so stupid, I can't tell you. But my brother always had his way because he was bigger and stronger and you know, he always knew better than I did. So he, we all went to the beach, and I was terrified. I didn't know what was wrong. But we were walking on the beach at Southampton in New York, and I was suddenly covered by blood. And I didn't know what had happened, but I had walked into um, a very rusty beach wall, 
and I tore my face open. Oh, and God. yeah, it was horrendous. You walked into a beach. What? In the, in yeah, the, in Southampton, there were rusty beach walls holding back the mansions that were facing. Oh yeah, okay. Cooper's Beach in Southampton, and it had rained previously, and there were big rusty pieces sticking out that you really couldn't see. I was walking into the sun. And I walked into a big rusty projection from the beach wall, and uh, I mean, I had many years of surgery after this. It's okay, but I had a lot of horrible years, and I tore my face open, and I, I almost bled to death at the beach before I could get all the way to a hospital. It was Sunday night, and there were no emergency rooms open anywhere or people who could help me. And finally, you know, I went to um, a Long Island hospital. I went to Good Samaritan, and uh, they were able to help me with plastic surgery, but uh, that's a perfect example of not listening. And usually if an accident occurs and we don't get a warning, it's supposed to happen. If we do get a warning and we go against it, then all bets are off. I mean, I don't know what your question was, Ryan. I really don't remember. But I You're talking about the influence, uh, the influence of angels. I mean, you, you, you offered you open a, a gate to a really a, a intriguing concepts. I mean, it's interesting. You should listen to them. But, you know, you probably, you're bringing up something where I would like to think that people listening would have this uh, question and say, well, what about the people who don't get a warning? You said that it's meant to happen. Um, yeah. I, like, like the I, people in the World Trade Center, they were probably meant to go at that time. It was probably part of their karmic destiny and you know to die at the age of 30 or 40, whatever it was you know? uh, I believe in God so strongly that if you go then it's your time I mean a lot of people found themselves after 9-11 we had an apartment right there but right at, you know by the World Trade Center so I was very much a part of that whole event but a lot of the people who survived found themselves on the street holding a cup of coffee they had been at the desk like five minutes before, and it was suddenly on the, standing on the street, and they said, how did I get here? I'm still holding hot coffee. And the buildings were coming down. So I do believe that angels change our chemical structure. They can move us around. They can interfere. They can do all kinds of things. They're faster than we are. They're smarter than we are uh, because they have a better, better, maybe smart is not the right word, Ryan, but they have a better overview of what's actually happening. They understand our destiny. They understand the universe. Do you think that uh, humans are more celestial and more divine than the angels because human beings or the spirits of human beings have elected to take on the life in a reality where there is pain, where there is suffering, whereas an angel, unless the angel has gone through this, who, what position are they, to, you know, to describe, you know, human emotion? I mean, how, how, how are human beings not higher than the angels when we've elected to go through this, and they maybe they haven't? That's an excellent question. I don't, I don't yeah. know what you mean by higher. Let's say different. Well, see, everyone thinks that. Oh my God! You know, I see an angel, and it's got the wings. And, you know, it's supposedly you know beautiful and celestial. Meanwhile, you know, you've got a human being that's got a, a body with you know donut rolls and hair on her back, and it's not exactly <laughs> the type of things you put on a Hallmark card. But because you see the angel, it's got the wings. Oh God! You know, it's got light. You know, it's beautiful. And I'm like, wait a second. It's like you know, I'm here. I'm going through the, the pain. You know, you don't know the angels don't know what it's like. You know, to to deal with the taxes and sit through a, a, a presidential election, that kind that stuff's tough. I don't, they can fly around all day and not have to worry about clocking in or clocking out and answering to, to some bozo named Bob as their boss. No, I think that we are way, way more divine than they are. See, I don't know what that word divine means. I also a divine, know. Well, I mean, like, you know, higher, you know, the, the angels, apparently they, they carry more light and they're, they're very more powerful and supposedly have more wisdom. Or, I would know, say they're different. The energy is very different, and they have an all-knowingness that we don't have. Yes, we have hands-on, but they have all-knowingness. It's totally different. That's why they interact with us. I'm sure they learn from us, as we do from them, and it's totally different. That You brilliantly brought up that point. So, again, what is the question? No, just asking about the angels. Actually, you would like to, to move along to one other um, section of your book. Which is what is your potential? People have probably ask you, Joyce, and they say, hey, Joyce, what what did I come here for? They say, Why am I here? 
what's my potential? What, 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 how do I fulfill my potential? And I love that you actually mentioned dates <laughs> and time frames and, and to give people a rough window of what they could be here for. You listed by astrological sign. So let's throw a couple of signs out. Uh, what is your general purpose here if you came here born under the sign Sagittarius? Well, you can't do it just so generally like that. I would do it by a specific birth date, and then the information is laid out according. It's too boring to do it this way, but you would just look up your precise birthday in your case, and the year is there and the whole thing, and it gives you the soul potential of why you're here, where you came from, uh, what's in your soul memory, how to make the most money, how to find the right career. Everybody wants to know, what am I actually what is my destiny? I mean, clearly in your case, Ryan, you're here as a communicator and you're here as a great radio and TV host and uh, you will be writing more. And, I mean, you have to really get the word out about, I don't know if it actually says that in your birthday because I'm not, my eyes are closed, you know, I'm not looking at my book at this time. <laughs> but in your particular case, if you read what's in your soul, which to a degree I can do, I can tell you that you're here to bring light to the planet. You're here as a teacher. So, and you've been doing that, and you do it with a very generous, kind, open, humanitarian heart. And you reach out mm-hmm. to other people, and you never, I hate to say it, but you, know, you don't put money first. You put soul purpose first. And that's the highest, greatest calling on the earth, where, you know, you're doing it from the heart and not from the wallet. So, that's, talk about divinity. That truly is divine. Where, you know. You- you know, I mean, I hope you can relate to that message, but that was just a message I wanted to. Well, it's, it's it's fun. I would say you know, it's the doing the doing the show, interviewing people like you, and you know, engaging with our incredible listeners. It's fun. I mean, this whole purpose, like you know, it, it's I don't first of all I don't take it take myself seriously. I don't I don't know if the show even takes itself seriously. It's just the part of of exploring and finding uh, new information. And I've always believed that when you have knowledge or you have wisdom you can change certain circumstances i'll just give you you and our audience an example you're at a position your job and you know you want to make more money you want to bring home more revenue do more to provide for your family well if you know your job better than anyone else you can provide greater service you have that wisdom you can change things and you know improve that situation and i'm always thinking that you're here if you know more if you explore more metaphysical concepts you have more knowledge you can take that and absorb it and kind of improve your situation in life. That's why I, I don't think that you have to come here and experience this ridiculous pain and suffering or horrors of the earth. I believe that you know if you know or you have some kind of insight, intrigue, maybe you can go beyond it. I mean, can you do that? Can you can you just continue to grow and evolve and eventually the pain and suffering is something that becomes second nature that you don't have to deal with? Yes, that's uh, the Gordian knot of karma, as I, I mentioned before that you can eventually unravel, but you have to be very careful. You can't hurt anyone. I think it's rule number one. Even if a person is very vicious to you, you have to return it with love. And you can say, well, what about the uh, people who are trying to kill us? Well, you, you step away from it. There's, um, apparently there's a wonderful movie that just came out, uh, a Mel Gibson movie that was just released uh, about uh, a soldier who wouldn't carry or use a gun or uh, defend himself in any way. And he he saved many many men in combat and like twenty men and this is a great movie and I, if I could think of the title I, I haven't seen it but I've heard about it and he returned hatred and suffering and misery with love and devotion he was a great hero and even the men who had made fun of him in the beginning because he was so kind and very loving to everyone they eventually were his greatest friends and his greatest followers. So that's. A, I hope that movie gets Academy Awards and you know, it receives the accolades that it should. And we're all going to hear about it very shortly, but that's a perfect example of, of the, an answer to the question that you just asked. You know, just how do you how do you get by as a loving person when there's so much hatred on the planet? Yeah. You know, I know it's very hard for you because you're very angelic. See, you're angelic, but you can't. I don't know. I, I think that I think that certain people. Would, would would disagree. <laughs> I don't I, I don't I don't I don't have I don't have wings. <laughs> you know, I don't have any wings, and and even if I did, I'd probably pawn them off anyway. Well, let me no, ask you about wings. Do you think <laughs> that's extremely funny? Do you think that they really have wings? I don't know. I you know if they showed up, 
and they said, hi, I'm an angel. I don't think most people would know who they are. Like, hello, I'm an angel. Like, well, no, you're not an angel. You know, where's your halo? Where's your wings? Is it you know, where's your harp? You're no angel. You're just some guy. Okay, so you're uh, counting on the wings and the halo. Is that right? I'm, I'm, yeah, an angel comes and it says that stuff. <laughs> you know, I really had a very um, heartbreaking <laughs> experience lately, which I have to share with you about angel wings. When um, my book, Calling All Angels, came out in 1998, my husband was so sweet, he sent to Victoria's Secret, I believe, and he got me a pair of real, real, real angel wings. And they're extremely beautiful. They're white ostrich feathers. They're really big and extremely beautiful. And he took pictures of me, you know, dressed as an angel, wearing the wings. We put it on the back cover with the book and so forth. And uh, I had that these wings were kicking around my apartment all these years. I mean, uh, 1990, I don't know how many years that is. It's a long, the book has been out for a long time. So because Jack passed away and I'm selling everything, eventually I came to the point where I had to sell my wings, my angel wings on Craigslist. <laughs> and I did. And um, a movie company bought them and they were so happy and so excited to have them. They were wearing them when they left. And uh, Jack had made me a halo to go with the wings just for the heck of it because, you know, he he really loved me, I guess. So he, you know, the, this movie company took my wings and they paid me, but I was so sad and I haven't been the same. <laughs> Ryan, I haven't been the same since I sold my angel wings last week, I have to tell you. I got money for them, but you know what? I feel like something was taken away from me that I, I really wanted and need, even though they were only in storage. Do you think that's ridiculous? See, I'm no. sharing all kinds of secrets with you. Isn't that ridiculous? No, I don't think it's ridiculous at all. Yeah, I don't think it's ridiculous at all. I mean, seriously, I, um, my, my wife bought boxers that I had, and they, they, were, they had like four or five holes in it, and an emotional attachment to it because, you know, I wore the boxers, and the day something really great happened. I was like, why'd you throw them out? She's like, well, there's six, there's six holes in them. I'm like, well, <laughs> no, it's emotional attachment. Wait, what happened when you were wearing them? I just she, she's like get rid of them. There's like six. There's six. There's six holes in here. And I was like, no, I I wore that. That, that was significant because something wonderful happened to me on that day. I don't forgot what happened. I know. That, I know it was significant. She threw them out. Oh and then no! I said, yeah, like a piece of my uh, throw away another piece of my soul. Why don't you? So now everything I like, I, I keep in a safe, and I don't tell her combination. You see, you told me a deep dark secret, and I shared with you a deep dark secret about how sad and how hurt I am about my angel wings going. It's the same thing. That you know, that's that's why I do psychometry. I'm sure you know what that is, right? I mean where you can read anything, you can hold it in your hand and you can read its history, which is why you have to be so careful about buying antique furniture or buying other people's possessions because their emotions are so locked in and their feelings and their destiny and their karma, whatever they were experiencing while they had this goes into the object itself, goes into this wooden cabinet, and they, they donate it to Salvation Army or to an antique store. And you come along, la, 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 yeah, I'll buy that chest. Well, you know what? You're buying their memories with it, and you're buying their emotions with it and all they experience. I'm so glad you brought that up. I um, When I buy things, if I, if I do buy, especially if I buy used books, I always sage them. A friend of mine said they always sage objects because they carry that on there with them. Exactly. Is, does that, does that sage completely remove all the energy uh, frequency associated with it? See, I can't answer that. I mean, that's an old, old question. Even if you sage it 9,000 times, there there are probably residual vibrations left in it. I, I can't answer that. It depends on the object. Sometimes if you ask, say, Archangel Michael, you know, help me with this job. I really would like to have this purified. They can get a lot out of it, out of the the fabric or the wood or whatever, the metal, whatever it is that's holding it. But it's very, very difficult because this is a physical planet, and that stuff, the, the vibrations are really embedded into the substance itself. I mean, how much would you have to smudge? You know, it depends how dedicated uh, the person is to smudging and how much Archangel Michael or you know, the, the angel, if you ask for assistance, how much you're going to allow it to be released. I can't answer that question. I mean, it's an impossible mm-hmm. Question. Oh, you know, I want to say I owe an apology. I mean, you, um, you told me this beautiful story about how you had these angel wings your husband gave you. <laughs> Trying to compare them to like 
poles and boxer shorts. <laughs> it's the same thing. No, Ryan. No, 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 it's not the same. It's not the same thing. It's, yes, it is. You know what? No, I don't know. This is why you're a great radio host and soon to be TV host. Because maybe you already are because you relate to what the guest is saying. All right, so it was boxer shorts with holes. All right, but still, you know, if it's part of your soul's memory and it's important to you as it is to me, so what? You know, it depends on the person. No, I like it. Well, your your wings had deep sentimental value, and that was a you know a token of a marriage. And I, I, think, I think my boxers, the reason I held them is probably because I, I won my I won a couple like tokens at uh, at the game thing. You know, you you play those little games where you roll a ball and you get like these win tickets. I think I got like fifty. I think I got like fifty tickets, and that's why they bought the boxer shorts were significant. Like, oh my god, I won fifty tickets. Uh, it's probably something like that. But you're, you're just like heartfelt marriage. So this. Come on, I think much that it's more equal. sacred. No, come on, it's it's equal because <laughs> it's, it's fine. This is what makes you a great host, though, because you relate to what the guest is saying, and because you get it out there. And probably the greatest host of our time was Regis Philbin, whom I still know personally, and you know, he endorsed all my books. He's a good friend, and he he uh, always related and always had a funny story, even if it was way out, like your boxer shorts with the holes. Still, it's a form of very human relating and that's what really separates the the good hosts from the ones who are just following a format you know so that's really a great thing and you understand you you understand you see you're a student of life which is so terrific and that's what it takes to be a good host you have that we're relating. all students of life I mean, for a world revolving and do you see stuff i think we're all students and learning um, you know, I want to point out a couple things um, in your books, among other things. On Chapter 11, you've got this. Uh, first off, you buy, Joyce's book is called Why Am I Here? A Concise Guide for Your Purpose and Potential. Highly recommend you, you buy it. Uh, Thank you. Because it, it's, it's wonderful. It's well written. You've got a chapter. Chapter 11, Key 6, The Karmic Dictionary. And in here, you lay out page after page of situations um, I'll give one of them called addictive behavior, addictive habits, child dependency, and you lay out a metaphysical reason behind it. I thought that was really fascinating. Thank you. Is it okay if we um, lay out a couple of the things that you pointed out here and to ask you what the karmic implication of, of those are? I won't remember. Okay. I'll do my best, but again, I, I'm not. The book is not. Okay. I don't even have it open. So sure. Help me out with I'll, this. Cause, I'll read it. Um, okay, you have to help me. One. Sure. I'll go one of them. First one we have is apathy. You say love for the earth and for human life, enthusiasm for and for serving. Another one you have is bitterness, acceptance, forgiveness, taking responsibility for one's life situation, flowing with life. So these these things that you list, it's about changing your emotional condition. When you list all these things, are we always in a battle to change our attitudes and feelings to those of peace and love and or are we actually depriving ourselves? This is a question coming back to me before. Are we depriving ourselves by trying to be too holy and not experiencing these? Are we, are we actually repressing the emotions by not allowing ourselves to experience an adequate amount of uh, sadness, an adequate amount of anger, an adequate amount of even bitterness? Yeah, but you know what the answer is to that. That's when we go too far and you need psychiatric help. Too much apathy. Too much right. of anything. It's, it's, like, it's really a balance. You can't go too far into anything on the negative or even probably on the positive side. Like you mentioned apathy first, right? So, okay, a little, uh, being apathetic is fine. You, know, you get the message. and But if you continue to dwell in that place and you start to become, it, it turns into deep depression. You, you have to have a certain point where you say, this is ridiculous. I'm going too far now. I'm not even getting dressed. I'm too apathetic. You know, I'm, I'm not brushing my teeth. That's where you've gone too far. You know, anything has to be a balance. And I don't know if that's the answer to the question that you're asking, but any of those negative qualities, or I could say even the positive ones, have to be part of our life only as far as we need them or just as a learning experience. And the people, by the way, who stop learning altogether and they're just static and they're just kind of coasting along, usually God takes them off the planet. They're gone. And then you have things. Do do you agree with that? I I don't know. I I don't know. I, f- I feel like there, there's some teachers or, or some people who've been coasting on their on their work that they did earlier. You're definitely not one of them. I mean, if there's one thing I, I've noticed that when I talk to you, I mean, I've known, I've known you for a long time. 
you're always adding, always asking questions, and you're always adding more things to it. I mean, you've never said the same thing twice in a conversation, which I, that's I find amazing. Well, thank you. I um, mean, yeah, ask, asking, right? Say, what the? This is this may be wrong, and I've I've reversed myself about a lot of things I used to believe were so true when I was a kid. No, they're not right, and that's part of the learning process. So thank you for acknowledging that about me. I really, I'm really trying. And, you know, I asked God, I said, okay, you took my husband away. Now what am I supposed to do? I'm not going to start dating. I'm not going to date strangers. You know, I, I really, why am I here? Again, I'm asking myself the same question. My, You're asking yourself? Oh. Yeah, my mate is gone. Gee, I really feel awful. And so many people are going through this experience where God zaps one person away, they take a child away or a baby or something. You know, it's like you say, come on, this is not fair. What am I supposed to do now? I have no one to go to the movies with me. I have no one to take, suddenly I have no one to take me out to dinner. Pardon me for whining a little bit. But you say, well, why am I still here? Why couldn't you have taken us both together? Because, and the answer comes very clearly, because we have a lot of work for you to do. I'm working on my next book and, you know, working on new projects. And you hopefully will not, none of us, will or should become static. While you have the opportunity of being on the earth, you're supposed to learn, you're supposed to grow. It's supposed to be some sort of... Like my do something. Pardon me? Yes. I mean, do something. You maximize it. You know, so we... I'll tell you about my sister, who passed away a couple of years ago. I would say to her, Grace, do you think this is right? Or what do you think of this book? Or what do you think of my concept? Like I wrote... Uh, book with Simon and Schuster called Seven Steps to Heaven, uh, How to Communicate with Departed Loved Ones. So when that book came out, she said to me, I'm in a book club. Make sure Simon and Schuster does not send a book to my book club because I don't want to support you with this. So I had that kind, I've had a lot of people around me like that who said, you know, I don't believe in that. Or there were, there were uh, you know, because of their religious beliefs, they felt that it was not of God, or you know. And I had a lot of people around me like that, so I don't have an easy time, and I'm not going to try to convince anyone of anything. It's the same thing with you, Ryan. We always have that questioning attitude, but the point is, I think when we stop growing and we stop asking, and we just say, "Yeah," then God takes us. You're done. You know, you're done, and. You could even be a baby, or you could be an hour old, or you could be, I have a whole... An hour old, and you're, you're done? You're like, yeah, I've had enough. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are stillborn. And, or they have, uh, they, they live for six months, uh, or, or less. And I believe those are crib deaths, mostly, and those are people who, again, have chosen to have that experience. I don't believe there are any accidents. You have that crib death experience, the parents are supposed to experience that, the grandparents, the whole family, the baby who's departing, you know, it's not a haphazard planet at all. You know, I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I think sometimes lessons are just, they suck. It's just extremely difficult and um, terrible. I know sometimes these lessons, it's, it's sick. It's like, why would you have to experience that much pain and aggravation and, and, and suffering, especially if you're eventually going to return to the source, which is all-knowing. I, the the answer, very quickly, is that this is a school. That's that's the whole thing in a nutshell. And I really believe it's true. Look how difficult it is going to school. It's the same thing. Yeah, but you can change your classes. I mean, you, people go to school, they go to college, they they, 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 they change their majors. They, they change their, their classes. Why can't you change your major? And say, you know, you, you came in this lifetime. Oh, you know, you came in this lifetime, you're supposed to experience... This kind of pain, that kind of pain. So you know, what? I'm changing the coursework. I'm uh, I'm not doing that. I'm well, not doing you know, that course. I'm, I'm majoring have... in Caribbean beach in the in the beach. No, you have about most people have about 12 percent free will. That's on the average, and you can right. change about 12 to 15 percent of your life. The rest is pretty much uh, karmically yeah. dest- predestined. There are certain things you're supposed to learn. Like even if you change your your format in school, you change your major, you still ha- you're still in school. So I don't know if that uh, addresses what you said. You can change it to a certain extent. You could decide. I mean, don't you think in most cases you can change it? You get tired. You want to switch. I mean, so don't you think you can? I don't, I, 
I believe that, well, you know, everyone's got their own perspective, but I, I want to believe that I can change anything, and I can change the karma, and I can change the coursework, I can change the teacher, and I, want, and I can change the dimension. I don't want to believe that there is anything that, that has domain over me or that I, I'm on this roller coaster ride that I, and I, I can't get off at any time. I don't want to surrender uh, to that. Um, maybe that is a philosophy that is not in alignment to my higher self at this time or not in alignment to the greater Good or I don't care. I, I, that's just the way I feel. And, um, Wait, go you know, over it will, again. My, my will be done. <laughs> yeah. All right. So do you feel okay? I want to go over that again. Let's see if, if I agree. What you're saying is that there's no. Is there any kind of binding destiny around you? You said no. Is there any kind of binding destiny around me? I don't think. There's, I don't know if there's anything that that's predestined. I feel like all the destiny that is happening is a direct result of previous actions that have been set into motion. Like every act of destiny, where, we, where I am at this present time, maybe where people are, is a direct result of all of the previous decisions that they've gotten to this point. This idea that you're being carried along by destiny, I, I feel like it's in some ways it's a cop-out that people are just kind of waiting along the ride and expecting to arrive at some place. I'm like, well, you're not going to get to that place unless you, you put action out. And action requires thought. It requires initiative. So... No, I, I don't. I don't believe. I don't know if there is some end game destiny. I just believe in the the actions of the present moment, and where I am in the next present moment is a direct result of the actions from the previous present moment. So are you you saying then, which may be correct, you can do absolutely anything. I believe I can do anything. Anything. I believe it. Uh-huh. Maybe people. Maybe others can't. Don't think they can. Maybe some others uh, listening say, "Look, you know, I can't do that because I'm stuck and I've got to experience this karma." I don't believe that. I, I'm. I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> That's probably correct. I mean, it's probably. Correct. I don't know. <laughs> but do you think you have any uh, boundaries on you at all? Phys- you know, That's keeping fine. in mind that we're on a, a physical planet. But do you think you have any? Yeah, well, you know, it's unfortunate. When I was growing up, they they, they taught they teach you about the laws of gravity, and unfortunately, in my subconscious, my subconscious mind believes it, it, or acknowledges that there is gravity. So I can't just fly up to a different planet right now because you know I believe in the law of gravity. However. I believe that if you, maybe if you teach kids in early age, listen, there's no such thing as gravity. Who knows? Maybe kids will be able to fly to different planets okay. or they'll be able to do things. Because, you know, if it's mind over matter and you train the mind to manipulate the matter, who's to say what future generations could be capable of? Who's to say that there are any boundaries other than what we impose upon ourselves or what we believe in these schools? Of course, you're 100% right. I mean, that's why we can do astral projection. You can do, as the Hindu um, rishis showed, you could actually uh, project yourself. You know, you, you can do the uh, like the rope tricks and all that. I mean, they're overcoming gravity. That certainly is true. But it's not easy. And I think that you must be a very highly incarnated old master. I don't know. To be, I don't know what I am. <laughs> to be able to understand, you can overcome the, the laws of, of the earth. That, that certainly is true. It's, I want to. I think we should. That's what I'm doing on the show, Joyce. <laughs> I want to. I want to overcome the, the laws of the earth, the laws of karma. The, I, I just. I don't like the idea of laws of anything. I just, the laws are stupid. Someone else created the laws. Now we. You make. Maybe we can create our own destiny. And we'll decide. Everyone decides where they want to go. Go to hell with a predestined law. And you know, if there's karma that's here, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I'll, I'll deal with that in another lifetime. This lifetime is going to do it our own way. You see, what you said is very Aquarian, and uh, <laughs> arising above the physicality. <laughs> Not everyone <laughs> believes that, but you certainly—that's why Aquarius is such a great sign, because you realize you don't have the boundaries that other people feel. You know, it's a great air sign. Uh, you know, it's like uh, it's probably the, one of the most advanced signs because you recognize that you have no boundaries. There are no boundaries. And that's rule number one for success. That's why I know that you're moving forward with great dispatch, and I'm very Thank proud you. of you. Well, Thank you, Joyce. And, um, you know, thank you as well. And I uh, want to say that it was a great honor to have you on the show. <laughs> thank you. Miss Joyce Keller. Psychic medium and author of the book Why Am I Here? A concise guide to your purpose and potential. You can learn more about Miss Keller by going to her website at JoyceKeller.com. By the way, Miss Keller has done so many national radio and TV shows over the course of her illustrious career. She has actually hosted 
a show on one of New York's top radio stations. I don't know, was it 15, 20 years? Is that WOR you were on that for? <laughs> no, I was a co-host for about 15 years uh, with Jerry Reynolds overnight. But uh, I think the probably the longest run was on a Long Island station. It's New York's oldest yeah. station. It's 1240. But... Um, Thank you very, very much, Ryan. Not oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on, but for your great interview and also for your, your accolades, your, all the undeserved accolades. Thank you. Oh. Thank you, Ms. Keller. And also, please, if you get a chance, highly recommend uh, getting a reading with, Ms. reading with Ms. Keller. It's uh, very unique. Ms. Keller has kept me out of a lot of trouble for a number of years. So again, I, again, I met her when I had the Afro, so that tells you how long, <laughs> tells you how long I Ms. Keller, blessings and peace. Love you very much. It's a great honor to have you on our show. You too, Ryan. Thank you so very, very much. God bless you. God bless our listeners. Thank you. Okay, everyone. That concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Intertooth Radio Show. Special thanks to our phenomenal guest, Miss Joyce Keller. Special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Constance Stellis, and Miss Lisa Kaza. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Intertooth Radio Show, Please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. So the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well.